This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Welcome, 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 everybody. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, your pastor lied to you. I am from Alabama. As you can hear from my accent, I'm from the south side of Alabama. Uh, actually, I don't have an accent. You have an accent. I bring greetings from the very, very hot, sticky, steamy uh, state of Florida from our pastor, Pastor Randy, and the Bayside Community Church. And it's an honor to serve you this weekend. Uh, my, my, I met your pastor a couple of months ago. Uh, him and his wife, Kobe and Kristen, lovely couple. We're doing an ARC event together. And then when they said, would you come over to preach in Erie, Pennsylvania? I went, where? <laughs> because, I mean, I, I'm not from this country, as you will hear, as you can hear. And, and it was wonderful just to come in. And yesterday I flew in in the smallest aerpl- airplane I have ever seen. <laughs> I brought my own folding chair and all, you know. <laughs> we arrived. It was great. And just to see, you know, beautiful. Just coming in, it was absolutely beautiful. And you got a great church, spending time with your leaders here, spending time watching, observing. You're a blessed people. Uh, so keep praying for your pastor and his wife, the pastoral staff and the team. So, so glad you're here. I, I do not come from Alabama. Um, actually, I was born in Spain, España. Any of you know where Spain is? Any of you know where Canary Islands in Spain is? Oh, this, this service, there's more people that know where that is. Well, the islands of the Canary Islands are, are where my parents went 40 years, now 45 years ago now. And um, I was born there. I grew up there. Uh, that's where I, I learned about Christ. And at the age of 15, my parents sent us to Belfast in Northern Ireland. Anybody know where Northern Ireland is in Belfast? Good. You're, I knew you people at Erie were well educated in the geography of the world. <laughs> and uh, that's where I, I college and uh, I did my last few years at high school and college. And then the Lord uh, opened up the door to go to Dallas, Texas. Anybody know where Dallas, Texas is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dallas Cowboys all the way, baby. They... <laughs> They indoctrinated me. Kobe's a Dallas boy, isn't he? I knew there was something really nice about him. You know, there was a, they indoctrinated me in the ways of Dallas Cowboy, and I know I'm in the wrong place to mention that. But hopefully you will, like, uh, you know, give me a, a break on that. And that's, that's where I met my now wife, Alicia. She is from Florida. She's from West Palm Beach. Then we went back to Ireland, and the Lord gave us uh, three Three kids. You know, he gave us two wonderful kids and then the other one. You know that? <laughs> and you know, you know the thing about it? They change. It's not like one child. It's like one minute one's there and then the other one and then the other one. Like, whoa. But let me show you a pastoral. A pastoral uh, this dude has a Dallas Cowboy shirt on. 
I love it. I love it, bro, all the way. If you're out in the lobby, I apologize. The guy just walked in without that. I can't wash it on it. I want to I show you a picture of my family. Obviously, it's a pastoral picture. They're all smiling and all being a nice teacher. Oh, um, you know, put the one, the real one, the real one. That's not, my kids don't do that. There you go, there you go. Uh, Hannah, Lydia, Zach, 12, 10, and 8, and Alicia. And we came over here about eight years ago and served the Lord, and we've been serving the Lord in Florida, and the last three years at Bayside, and we're so honored. And yes, but it is Ireland, and it reminds, it reminds me of, there were two guys at a pub, and they were, one ordered a drink, and the guy said, hey, I hear, I hear from your accent. Where are you from? He says, I'm from Ireland. He says, so am I. He says, what part of Ireland are you from? He says, I'm from Dublin. I'm from Dublin. He says, what part of Dublin? Oh, McCleary Street in Dublin. I'm from McCleary Street in Dublin. What school did you go to? I went to St. Mary's. <gasps> I went to St. Mary's. What year did you graduate? Well, 1980. Oh, my goodness. The Lord is good. I graduated in 1982. The barman's wiping, and he goes, oh, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> so the guy says, one of the other guys, a third guy, will say, well, why is it going to be a long day? He says, well, because the Murphy twins are drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to church, we smile, and we have a fun here, and I know this church, you have a laugh, and, and not all Irish people are drunks and fighters, by the way. Let's pray as we gather around God's word. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we want to honor you. And Lord, thank you for this great church. Thank you for what you're doing in and through them. Lord, I pray for their team, their pastors. Lord, I pray that this community, this city of Erie, will come to know you, Christ, because this church is representing you well. As we gather around your word now, Lord, I pray that you will encourage us, rebuke us, correct us, so that we would be the people that you've called us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, while I was at Dallas, I was three years, I was studying in seminary there, and um, my now wife, but Alicia was probably my, 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 we were getting to know each other, or she was my fiance earlier on in, in our relationship. She said, um, Dave, do you want to do the Thanksgiving turkey trot? I'm like, what's that? This is an eight mile run on Thanksgiving day. I'm like, you run for eight miles? People do that? <laughs> so obviously, in my desire to impress her, I said, sure. So we, you know, went for a couple of wonders and waddles, and then we turned up on the day with 25,000 people, and there was people dressed as turkeys and supermans and things like that, and we started running mile one, mile two, mile three, but mile four, I started to hear, like, people screaming and shouting, and I'm like, what, what's going on? And we were going on an incline. It was, there, was an, there was an incline, and we caught up with the wheelchair racing. That, that's not part of the joke. That's not a joke. That's true. It took us four miles to catch up with them. And all I heard, all I see is I see this girl, and she's straining, going up the hill. And everybody that was going around her, everybody was like, come on, girl. You can get there. You're nearly there. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't give up now. You're nearly there. Even me, as a European, drove, walked past, waddled, not run, waddled. I was like... 
Yay, come on, you know. <laughs> but as I got to the last mile, there was thousands of people, thousands of people lined up. You know what? And just the, the affirmation and the encouragement, come on, do not give up. Come on, fat boy. There's a donut at the end there for you. Come on. I mean, I, I ran my fastest mile. Why? Because of the encouragement. The encouragement. Do you have someone in your life that encourages you? Do you have someone in your life that says, come on now, keep going. You can do this. Are you an encourager to someone? Or is it all about you? I want to take you to a letter in Scripture where we see this incredible man. Actually, he didn't start that way. He actually was anti anything to do with Christ. This man, early on in his life, hated Christians persecuted Christians, killed Christians. And then he encountered Christ and it radically changed his life. And he turned from a guy who was against anything to do with God to following Christ and being one of the main leaders in the church in the early days. His name was Paul. And Paul went on different missionary journeys. And on these different missionary journeys, he established churches and he raised up leaders. And then he wrote letters to, to encourage and affirm. And today we're going to look at one of those letters, but I need to put it in context. Why? Because Bible without context, you can make this say whatever you want, whenever you want. You need to put it in its context, because context, 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 or else, well, uh, the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> that used to be my favorite verse, <laughs> until I read the next one. You fool, tomorrow you die. I don't like that part. I'll only do the first part. <laughs> so let me put it in context of what we're going to be reading, because you'll realize when I bring out, when we read it, you'll know what's going on at the time. Paul goes on missionary journeys, and on the first missionary journey, he writes one letter, the letter to Galatians, okay? So the first missionary journey, the journey he goes on in that area at the time, he writes the first letter of Galatians, our Bible, book of Galatians. On the second missionary journey, he writes how many books, how many letters? To, okay, you can interact, okay? I don't know. I don't know if you do that in Erie, but in Florida, they shout at me. And in the Spanish world, they're like, amen, hallelujah, gloria, yeah, 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 okay. So, okay. And the second missionary journey, he writes two letters, okay? First and second Thessalonians. He comes back, he rests. Then he goes on another journey, and he writes how many letters? Three. Yes, three letters. You are smart. Pastor Kobe has got you well taught. First mystery journey, one book, Galatians. Second mystery journey, two, book, two letters, first and second Thessalonians. Third mystery journey, three ones. First and second Corinthians in the book of Romans. Incredible. Then he gets arrested. And he writes under home arrest, under home, uh, he's under house arrest. He writes, how many letters do you think he wrote? Exactly four. Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. It's, it's, it's a house arrest. He can't leave the house, but he can be in his own home. People can come and go. It's not a dark, terrible, terrible dungeon. 
As he then is released and he is traveling again, he then writes to. <laughs> two. He writes the first letter to Timothy. And that's, Timothy is his young protege. Timothy is a leader in the church. This first letter is about leadership, structure. This is about how do you protect the church from false teaching? How do you raise up leaders in the church? It's a wonderful manual on leadership. But then Paul gets arrested again. And this time, he is in a dark place. And this time, he is getting tortured. And this time, he doesn't see the light of day. And this time, the executioner is literally waiting outside the door to kill him, to, to cut his head. He's not in a good place. The circumstances are not good. Yet, when he pens this letter to his young protege, he begins with encouragement. And today we're going to read, how does he encourage Timothy? And I pray this will be an encouragement to you because whether you're a mom or a dad or a granny or a granddad or an uncle or an aunt, whether you're a volunteer in any ministry, in parking, in kids, whether you're a businessman, whether you're at home, whatever it is, these principles are timely principles that you can use to encourage someone. If you're not a follower of Christ and you're here today, we're so glad you're here. I pray you feel the warmth of people who are just normal people wanting to honor God. But this too will be helpful for you in your workplace. As these principles, you, if you put them into practice, it will change everything. Let's read. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to read the first seven verses. If you don't have a Bible, bring a Bible to church. Or bring your iPad or iPhone and you, and you can read it for yourselves. We're going to read it on the screen together here. So, First, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Let me stop right here. See this verse here specifically. This is a very, that's why it's important to know grammar. In grammar. You know grammar? Some of you use a bad word. It's not a bad word, okay? How many of you like English and, you know, you know grammar and things like that? Okay, I know. It's like, you know, dinosaur hands. Yeah, sort of, I do, you know. Okay. It's important. Why? Because our, our schools are teaching you grammar so that actually can you read scripture better because this is written in a past emphatic done completed action in other words God did not give you a spirit of timidity but he has already given you past already completed action a spirit of power of love and self-discipline you don't have to go looking for self-discipline you don't have to go looking for power if you're a follower of Jesus Christ you have power you got love and self-discipline 
It's already built in in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, in light of that, in light of his terrible circumstances, in light of where he is, he begins affirming. He begins encouraging. So let's look at the high. What are six uh, principles that we can see? And the first one we see is in verse 1 where it said, Paul, apostle of Christ, by the will of God. In other words, Paul uses his spiritual authority to encourage. He didn't come, me, I'm the pastor, I'm the boss, I'm your leader, I'm your mentor. No, no, Paul said, because of God's calling in my life, I want to affirm you. I, he uses the spiritual authority that God has given Paul over years of walking with God. Those words were very important to Timothy. It's not about title. It's not about position. It's about a walk with God that over the years has been matured. You may not be up here. You not, may, may be a leader of your group. But you know what? There's people here, and I know you're listening. That your walk with God, your words are vital. Sadly, the church has done a lot of damage, abuse of authority. I had a prof, Prof Hendricks, 61 years he taught at seminary. He taught some of the most brilliant Bible teachers America has seen. When I went to seminary, and he, for some reason he took an interest in my brother and I, Jonathan and I. At 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings, he invited us to come to have a Bible study with him. 6 a.m. I had to read the email six times. A.m.? A.m.? Who's up at that time? And I remember sitting with him, and he says, what are you seeing in God's Word? What are you seeing in God's Word? And we're like, you know, like, Jesus loves me, you know. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. That's excellent. That's really good. Dave, keep studying God's word. Dave, don't be scared about God's word. Dave, don't compare yourself with other people. You be you. You let God work through you. You just love God and love people in a genuine way through the gifts of God. And he just completely spoke life into me. And this older gentleman who has spiritual authority, his words radically changed me. He encouraged. At our campus, there's a lady who, her title is assistant. She's my assistant. But she's, we call her Mama Donna. Mama Donna buried her first husband when she had four kids under five and she was early 30s. Mama Donna served the Lord on the mission field. Mama Donna has the scars of a life that's been tough. But yet there's this joy Instead of bitterness, there's this joy in God. You know, when Mama Donna talks, we listen. When Mama Donna prays, we know she's been there before. Her words encourage us. So, you people who've been walking with the God for a while, may your words bring encouragement, help. Sometimes when we get older, we get like, well, in my day, we used to do this. And in my day, our church used to do that. In my day, it's not your day. It's a new day. And it's God's day. And God did wonderful things then, and it's great. The message never changes. But the means of how to get that message across must change with every generation. So be an encouragement to the next generation. Your words are so vital. We need to encourage. So spiritual authority. Second thing that we see is that 
In verse 2, he says, Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants God's best for Timothy. He wants God's best. He's actually showing genuine concern for Timothy. When you care for someone, you want God's best for them. He says, I want Timothy, grace, what you don't deserve. I want you to experience God's mercy, not getting what you do deserve. Peace, the inner, inner tranquility of mind and heart produced by grace and mercy. Paul wants what is best for Timothy. Paul, Paul wants what God's best for Timothy. He's showing genuine concern. Do we really want to encourage someone? Care for someone. Genuinely, unashamedly, Genuine concern. There's a guy called Peter, and he said, we are put on this earth to see through. We are not put on this earth to see through one another, but to see one another through. Can I ask you, does this community of Erie know that this church cares? Let me, let me, let me put it another way. See, see in, this, in this building, let's talk family time. In here, do people even in this building show genuine care? Do you care for the people around you? For example, when you park, do you actually go and park and try to fight your way to the closest spot, even though you're really, really, really healthy? Are you park so because you want to get the closest spot? Because it's really, really cold in this area of the world out here and there's a lot of snow? Okay, I never say that in Florida. <laughs> it's the opposite. We fight to get close to the church because it's like you melt getting to church, you know? But what if you're healthy and good? Why not park a little bit further so that our older brothers and sisters can get here? Showing genuine care. What about, what about when you walk through here? And if we, if we did, and I, I, I love psychology, and you know, if you watch people, people are people of, of, of habit, you know? You walk into the building, I bet you're sitting in the seats that usually you sit in. You know, sort of that area. And have you ever walked into church and someone's sitting in your seat? Ooh, you give them the righteous ignition look. Then you sit in front of them and raise your hand so they don't see. <laughs> I jest, but it is interesting how many times we're so focused on me. While Genuine care, genuine is wanting what's God's best for the other person. Outside these doors, can I ask you, you have friends that don't know Jesus. Do they know that you do? Do your friends know that you want the best that God can offer for them? Are you quiet about it? Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Listen, guys, if you're a follower of Christ, it's time to come out of the closet. Everybody else is. It's time to show genuine concern and love for this community. Okay, let's move on quickly, quickly, quickly. Let's look at the third thing. Third thing, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. Here, uh, 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 Paul is thanking God for Timothy. Paul is showing appreciation for Timothy. He's shown appreciation. 
It's amazing how I appreciate it. When I remember you, Timothy, I'm so thankful for you. I thank God for you. Wow. It's amazing what appreciation does. It's amazing when you can just say thank you. Did you thank the guys who are out in the snow webbing you in? Are you thanking the people who are in your kids' ministry who are serving your kids? Are you thanking your pastors? Are you thanking an, a, a, a ministry that's very rarely seen? The production guys. They were black, so they hide in the background. They're, they're even back there. You know what? We don't notice them, but if something goes wrong, what do we all do? <laughs> you laugh because it's true. They come early, leave late. When was the last time you thanked the band who comes and practices so that when you come into this place, you can worship God, the almighty God? When was the last time you actually were out there and thanking people in your community? The person at the supermarket. The guy who picks up your trash. Now, guys, not in a weird way. Don't, don't be weird, Christian. Hi. Thank you. We've already got a bunch of those weird Christians, especially in Florida. No, that's not what I mean. You know, like, thank you for letting me stand beside you and breathe air, you know. No. Appreciation. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for serving. You know what? It reveals a heart that's not entitled. Guys, I don't know this church very well. I don't know you. Because I come in and can speak. I can say a few things. A church that is thankful is a church that's not entitled. A church that shows genuine concern is a church that's not about them. If you're a person that comes in here and you expect your coffee to be hot and your seat to be empty and your air conditioning to be right and your parking to be thing, it's all about you. You're selfish. I'm sorry to say it, but that reveals a selfish heart. That's not God's heart. Church. <laughs> and one person went like, yeah, everybody else went, oh. Appreciate, appreciate, affirm, 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 affirm. Appreciate one another. Let's look at number four. My time is gone. Woo. Let's look at the th- verse three. Oh, you know what? This is the 1115 service. Oh, yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> you'll be home, you'll be fine. You'll get lunch later. Uh, all the shops are full now, so give you an hour, and they'll be empty, and you can have a free seat by yourself, you know? Let's look at verse three. Fourth thing, the fourth thing we see how Paul is encouraging Timothy. It's, it's in verse uh, three, it says, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. You want to encourage someone? Pray for them. It's not rocket science. You know what you're saying? I'm going to take time to take you before the throne of the only God, the true God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God. I don't understand three and one, one and three. I don't get it up, but that's okay. You're God, I am not. I'm taking time to take you before this God who is the master of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who created the smallest stars and the smallest animals and the most amazing stars. That's the God I'm going to talk to him about you. Talk about encouraging. You know, right now as I'm teaching, I, people are texting me. Dave, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. They know I'm standing in front of a bunch of eerie people. 
I didn't use that at the other services. That could go good or bad there, you know. People from Erie, you know. Um, I, they're praying for me. I know my, my wife right now is praying for me. You know, you know what that does to your soul when you know someone's praying for you? Why not this week? You think, well, how weird is this? You know, how about this week when you're walking along and someone comes into your heart, a Bob or Mary or whatever it is, you just stop, Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life, but bless them. Lord, give them strength. Guys, you don't have to get on your knees and call out to the Philistines, you know? Just pray for them. Just pray for them. And why not, and why not, if you have their number, praying for you. You don't have to go like in John chapter 3, verse 45. Praying for you. And by the way, when you say someone, I'll pray for you, guess what? Pray for them. You know, we throw it away, especially in church world. Oh, I'll pray for you. What was that? Pray for them. This week, I challenge you. As you go about your day, and someone comes into your heart, and just stop and go, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but right now, I'm praying for them. If you know them, send them a message. Facebook, social media, whatever it is, text, whatever. Tell them. Again, don't be weird about it. Don't be weird Christian, okay? Be Bible Christian. You know, like, I pray for you, I pray for you, I pray for you, I pray for you. That's not what I mean. But just a genuine, you know, that will encourage. Imagine a church who are praying as the Spirit leads you for different people in different places, in different situations, even in Walmart line. In Walmart, someone's helping. You know, why is it in Walmart? There's 25, 30, 100, or whatever, tails, and three of them are open. Is that the same here? Goodness, Lord, they need prayer. <laughs> I remember praying. I, I don't know why this person, I'm looking at this person, like, I don't know nothing. I don't even know this person. But I'm just sitting there, Lord, I, I pray for that person. You know what? It changed my attitude. I was fuming. I needed to get to a meeting. I'm sitting in a meeting, in a line with all these, come on, hurry up. I need to go to a meeting to be Jesus to someone else. And then I realized, I started to focus on this person, and I started, oh, you know what? I want to pray for them. It changed my attitude. Have you ever asked someone, you go, this is really weird. Oh, hey, is there anything I can pray for you this week? This is Walmart. Wherever. What about the, the, the girl who's going to feed you lunch later on at the restaurant you're going to go to? Hey, can I pray for you this week for anything? Watch her. I, she'll probably fall and lift herself up again. But do it. It will be an encouragement. Genuine. Let's look at the fifth thing quickly. Fifth thing. He says in verse 4, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. He's showing affection. Affection. Paul is saying, Me, Paul, wants to see you, Timothy, so that I, Paul, can encourage you. No, no, no. The way it's written is, I long to to see you, Timothy, because you fill me with joy. The last time they saw each other, there was tears. There were two grown men not scared to show affection. In a world that there has been so much abuse, it's crying out to see true biblical manhood where we do not use our position to abuse, 
But in a biblical way, we actually embrace and do God's way. There's nothing wrong with encouraging through a hug, through a handshake. Man, media and culture right now are cutting the legs right off us. They're, they're, making us, they're making us feel like we're not good enough at anything. But see when a man of God stands in the identity that God has done it, in the purity of God, and speaks life and encouragement, and is not afraid to show affection, whether it be a laughing out loud or crying with the person, it changes, it affirms, it encourages. I left home when I was 15. I went to boarding school. Nobody told me, you know what, this would be a good opportunity when you say goodbye to hug your mom and dad. This would be a good time to like cry with your brothers and sisters. You will really encourage them. They, that will show love for them. No, it was natural. Why? Because we were family. And then when I see them and I embrace them and I, you know, and I kiss my brothers. Why? Because we're family. And it's a non-weird way. I grew up in a culture, a Spanish culture, where we kiss one another. Oh, sorry. That was my fault, not theirs. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Sorry, production guys. Um, <laughs> well, we kiss one another. We greet one another with a kiss. We embrace one another as men. I'm wrong. I go to Ireland, different culture. Okay, so I understand cultures. I want to go and say hi to you. know, hey, hi. And boom. <laughs> oh, okay, there's a handshake here, you know. That's okay. Be you. Don't go weird, okay? Don't be a weird Christian. <laughs> I feel I'm saying that after every point. <laughs> Showing genuine affection. You know when the campus pastors at the church, when we get together, we laugh, we make fun of each other, but we cry together because we carry the church and the people in our hearts. And when someone's hurting, what do family do? They hurt. And we're not as afraid as men to show our affection, not only to one another, but to the church. If you came from a background that never showed any affection, I'm sorry. But you have the right. You have been given the power, the authority, and the self-control. In your home, you can change that history. In your home, you can do your husband to your wife to your kids. You can show affection. Actually, would you do me a favor? Would you look at your child and some, I know you tell them I love you. And you must say to a child, I love you. But you must also say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, they did a, 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 a research survey. They said the words that some kids never hear, and it's not I love you, it's I'm sorry. I'm sorry for speaking to you in a way that I wouldn't even speak to a dog. I am sorry. It's our kids that get it. I'm preaching to myself. The most wonderful gift that God has given us in children, and, and I don't affirm them. And show my affection to them. I want me hugging my girls so much so they don't need to go anywhere else to look for a hug. Dads, it's our role. It will encourage. If you never had that, I'm so sorry, but you can change your history. You can change your future generations by doing exactly what God says on the issue. See, you came here today not wanting to know what Dave said or what a pastor said. No, I believe this and I believe that. Who cares what I believe? You want to know what God says. So as we're walking through verse 1, verse 2, the last one, 
The last one is, he says in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith that lived in your grandmother, your mother, and now lives in you, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. He is showing affirmation. He is affirming what Paul is affirming what he sees in Timothy. I want to affirm the faith that you have, Timothy. I want to fan the flame of the gift that you have, Timothy. I want to affirm, see Mama Donna, remember I told you about Mama Donna? Mama Donna, I said to her the other day, I was teaching on this, and she goes, you know what, Dave, in my stage of life, my, what I want to do is I want to fan the flame of somebody else's gift. I'm, I, I was like, Mama Donna, you stay here, keep fanning the flames. Keep encouraging, keep affirming. Keep affirming the life of people, sincerely, joyfully. And listen, guys, again, see when we affirm someone, this is not the way to do it. I don't want to give you a big head, but you spoke well today. Since when are you in charge of the size of my head? Since when are you the Holy Spirit in your somebody else's life? I have the Holy Spirit in me. You just affirm and let God deal with me if my head does grow up. I got the Holy Spirit and my wife. Don't believe me. I'm good. Our role is to affirm the good in one another. What God is doing. See, when you sing, oh my goodness, thank you. See, when you practice, oh my goodness. See, when you do the slides, oh my goodness. See, when you look after the kids, oh my goodness. See, when you love our children. See, when you read them a story at night. See, when you, the way you tenderly care for our kids and feed us. See, when you do that, edit. it's amazing. Observe the world. And it's amazing. When you bring out what you observe, you affirm that, it changes everything. Listen, individuals will get stronger. And if you've got a guy and a girl who are married and they're stronger, their marriage will be stronger, and if they have kids, their family unit will be stronger, and if then that family comes to your church, the church get stronger, and if that church stands up and is actually doing what God has told it to be, the whole city will know about it. We don't need to, we don't need to like promote ourselves. We just have to do what God says. And but guess what? People will come running. What is it? I don't know what it is. They're, they're sort of weird, but you know, it's like an attractive weird. <laughs> Doing it God's way. Oh, my time's well gone. I apologize. Guys, you, there's a verse in Scripture I want you to see because there's a guy in the Bible. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas is interesting because Barnabas was the guy who spoke for Paul, the mighty apostle. Barnabas was the guy who spoke up for John Mark, another big leader in Scripture. By the way, those two guys alone influenced a lot of the New Testament writing. Okay, behind those two guys, there's one guy called Barnabas. That wasn't his name. That wasn't his real name. I teach, I'm, I'm a prof at one of the local, uh, our Southeastern University down where we are. And if I had a test, I would do this as a test. What's Barnabas' real name? Because you've probably read it. Let me take you, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, he's not even a, a, a Jew, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means 
Son of encouragement. Barnabas means son of encouragement. His name was Joseph. But because he was such an encouragement in the early church, the leaders of the church, well, you know what? We're not going to call you Joseph anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas. Because Barnabas means son of encouragement. That's, that's the impact this guy had. Barnabas, his name is not well known. His name isn't even known. It's mentioned Joseph once. It's not about the title and the lights. and the, It's about anonymity for the, case, for the cause of Christ and helping others and encouraging others and supporting others. And you know what? Can I ask, is this church known as sons and daughters of encouragement or sons of something else? Oh, how we need more Barnabases in the world. How we need more Barnabases in our life. How we need Barnabas. How we need to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. Do you remember that coach that believed in you? Do you remember that grandmother who said, I love you, I'm proud of you? Do you remember that teacher that did what she could to help you? You'll never forget them. You can be that for somebody else. I love the story of the little boy who wanted to play darts. And he said, Daddy, 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 I'll throw the darts. And you say, wonderful. Why do we need people in our life to say, hey, wonderful? Again, not weird Christian, Bible Christian. Well done. I want to I want to show genuine concern. I want to affirm what God is doing in your life. I'll even give you a hug because of it. I'll show my affection. I'll pray for you. See, when that happens, it changes everything. It changes the individual. It changes your parenting. It changes your marriage. It changes, it changes the family unit. When the family unit is strong, whether blended or non-blended, the church is strong. When the church is strong, society changes. The White House doesn't change anything. God's church, God's house can change the world through you and people like me. Let's pray together, please. And in this moment, just I'm going to ask you to just to close your eyes and bow your heads. Just a Holy Spirit, is there, what is it that you want us to learn today? Lord, I, I, I thank you for what you're doing in our life. Lord, I thank you for this church. What an honor to stand here, Lord, and meet brothers and sisters and that you have called for this area to reach this community. You may be here today, but you've been, 
you've come in because there's a guest, as a guest, somebody invited you, somebody's going to buy you lunch afterwards, but you've never actually began your spiritual walk with God. You've done the religion thing of what you can do to please God, but that always ends bad. But see, the Bible says, true Christianity says of what God did for us. And in the person of Jesus Christ, he came and he gave us life. He paid the spiritual cancer that I have spiritually. And I can't respond to God the way God designed me to respond to him. And it doesn't matter your education, your background, your history, whatever, how good you are. All that is dirt. But Bible says that Jesus stepped in. Jesus paid. Jesus can heal. Jesus can forgive. He will transform the inside, that sin. And he will forgive you. And he has a purpose for you. You know, you may be there and you may be saying, but Dave, I don't even know what I say, what I do. In a simple prayer in your heart, there's not, nothing magical in the words that you say. It's from a truthful heart. They're very powerful to God. Just saying, God, forgive me. God, I need you. God, be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. I want to be a Barnabas in this world. You see, and at that moment when you pray that and you pray from a true repentant heart, God says, I'm going to give you my God. I'm going to give you Holy Spirit. And when you start to live, you start to see the world differently. Why? Because your identity is changed. And you realize that God is not against you. He's for you. That God is not coming to try to beat you up. but trying to build you up. That God has purposes and plan for your life. So Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray for this gathering of people who, who gather together, Lord. And in this city of Erie, Lord, may it be known by, for people who encourage. People who love you and love others. People who stand in their identity of who God is. Lord, that we realize that you have called us to be your physical representations of you on earth. We are your hands and your feet in this community. Lord, may we be the speech in, your, in this community. Lord, for our neighbors, for our fellow workers, for our family members that desperately need to see genuine, biblical, Christ-like followers. I pray that we will stand in the promises. Give us an opportunity this week to tell someone about Jesus. Give us an opportunity this week to share and show the love of Jesus. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.